0: <laughs>
1: Stargate It's a great big world We're With the great crazy. big swirl, and you step inside To another world We're talking Stargate It's a crazy trip You can go Quite far and you don't need A car or even a ship It's getting tricky here There's a cur- and daniel and you look out for that. hey everyone welcome to Jaffa takes the the show where we rewatch stargate and talk about it and uh, just god damn it this week y'all this this episode this episode is a is an episode uh so we'll we'll get through it uh we'll survive uh is we're gonna have Fun. I think we have a lot of things to say about this episode, actually. So it should be a fun podcast, uh, despite it being a huge mess of an episode, if we're being honest with each other right now. <laughs> uh, so joining me this week, we have Kavika. Hey, what's up? And Jimmy Dean. Hello. <laughs> Uh, so thank you for joining me here, uh, fellow victims of uh, Hathor, which is season one, episode 13 of Stargate SG1. Uh, it's the one that's weirdly horny and, uh, that has everyone acting really out of character and stupid all the time for some reason. <laughs> um, so let's, let's just jump into it and rip that band-aid off. Um, we start, uh, somewhere in Mexico. Uh like I guess the Yucatan Peninsula because I I I looked it up like I did my research uh this week y'all and found out that they mentioned Maya that this is a Mayan uh, Maya temple and I looked it up and they lived in the Yucatan and like they mentioned uh these archaeologists were about to meet Mention the Mexican government so uh put all these things together put put your Sherlock hat on and that's where this is um So uh as I said, the, we have uh, like three archaeologists. Uh, so I, I, so, yeah, have a, I have a question about
2: how they find things
0: <laughs> as yeah.
2: arche- You know what I mean? Like it's all it all looks like stones here uh-huh. to me. It's all a bunch of bricks. So, and so these these yeah. bricks didn't even come out. It's not even a doorway no. that's been blocked off. They just knocked out these. Two hundred and fifty pound uh,
1: uh, stone you blocks. Know, stone yeah. blocks. Yeah. Uh- like yeah, they, they 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 just like put a hole in the wall by pushing the those blocks loose. Apparently uh because uh this is a heretofore undiscovered chamber in this Mayan temple uh like we we have some expository n- narration from these archaeologists that explains this that they've apparently been pressuring the Mexican government to let them dig in there uh presumably they ran some i don't know radar scans or whatever and found that there was a hollow in there and they wanted to get into it and it they, it took them years to get like permission to do that and they got it uh it's, it sure is a choice. And by choice, I mean, they didn't really think about it to have like an American man and a British lady be the archaeologist in this Mexican temple right there. But, uh, there you go. That's what we get, obviously. Um, a little like, no,
2: no obvious tools, no, no helping workers. No, yeah. Well, they even, have, even
1: they... the f- even the Fifth Element had a bunch of kids. Yeah, you know? no. There, there's a third archaeologist that walks in behind them and doesn't have a line in this scene, so he's probably their assistant or something. But we don't hear anything about this. And like, because like, spoiler alert: all these people are about to be dead anyway. We don't get attached to them. Uh, <laughs> K-
0: Kavika,
3: how dare you point out the? The budgetary concerns on what is clearly a bottle episode.
1: Uh huh. Yeah. This this entire episode takes place on existing standing sets, and they clearly just like put a bunch of sand and some props and like a, a bit of stonewall on their uh, generic alien planet uh, interior <laughs> set. And there you go. That's the burial chamber.
2: So, she has a uh, very yeah. nice manicure for, you know.
1: <laughs>
2: it, having had done it
1: thousands of years ago yeah okay so uh jumping a little bit ahead yeah so these people like uh, brush some sand aside with their archaeologist brushes as you've seen in movies and stuff and see find uh, egyptian hieroglyphs on this thing which is the gold sarcophagus which you know we recognize and they're gonna like jack and daniel are gonna recognize it later in case you didn't because we haven't seen one of those since the movie um and yeah, they open it, and there's a lady in there. Uh, they they read the the hieroglyphs on the the sarcophagus, mention Hathor by name, and these archaeologists obviously are not up on. Well, okay, so at least the 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 lead guy has heard of Daniel because he mentions him when they find, you know, an Egyptian uh, sarcophagus inside a Mayan temple, which. It, which is an insane discovery if you go by, you know, mainstream real archaeology. Uh, but he's the, uh, yeah, I read a paper by this guy, Daniel Jackson, once who said that all, all the stuff is related, which is, wasn't exactly <laughs> what Daniel was talking about. Like in the movie, he was specifically talking about the age of the pyramids, but I guess he was like, among other, uh, history channel ancient alien bullshit that Daniel uh, studied, there was also, uh, the notion of, uh, you know, that maybe Egypt and Mesoamerican ancient cultures were related somehow and he published a paper about that and was like left out of academia uh you know for like it as this? yeah go ahead. Uh so so people in his
3: field, contemporaries mm-hmm. know Dr. Daniel Jackson for this theory. Yeah. But as the series and the movie push forward, <laughs> nobody believes it. So he's Yeah, they a don't re- they don't respect
1: talk. him. Yeah, he he's literally like the guy from Ancient Aliens to them. He's just everyone knows who he is, but no one like thinks his stuff has any merit whatsoever. <laughs> like uh, listen, <laughs> so he, Alan
3: Grant. You're talking a lot about dinosaurs being birds. Sure, okay.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> how, how, anyway, how
2: did how did sorry. Daniel Jackson Were his parents rich?
1: Yeah, his parents were also archaeologists cuz we're going to see them in flashback. Uh, right, but that in doesn't mean that they had money point. at all. No, it's not it's not <laughs> obvious, but they were uh they they were at least, you know, respected enough to uh, lead an exposition, uh, an exhibit at the New York muse- Museum of Natural History, mm, I think, mm. or something. And, um, and Daniel has a very nice apartment also. It but but oh, like yeah. he probably made some good money at the SGC for with his consultant job, I guess. But, uh, you know, uh, so yeah, you know, he, he has a doctorate. He has studies behind him. Uh, he probably has, uh, like, runs in those circles, I guess. Uh, anyway, uh, circling back to the actual point of this episode, uh, so uh, they, they, they touch that big gem on the sarcophagus, and it opens, and yeah, as you said, a well-manicured hand uh, crawls out of there, uh, and this lady, we're, well, Hathor, let's, let's not beat around the bush, she sits up out of it and asks in ghoul's voice, where is Ra? And the the archaeologists uh, don't understand. Well, of course, they know who Ra is, because they pointed out, hey, that's an Egyptian god. And, like, Hathor is displeased with them not helping her, ah! and she murders them with her hand device. And that's it for those poor archaeologists right there. <laughs> that's a serious rap on them. <laughs> yep, serious rap, because we immediately also get uh, Daniel explaining that they were killed brutally, like, the because we cut to the SGC, and the sarcophagus is in there, Uh, already now, because apparently, yeah, the Mexican authorities found the bodies of these archaeologists in the temple, along with an Egyptian sarcophagus, and unprompted, these are presumably cops that work for the government of Mexico, went, ah, yes, an Egyptian sarcophagus in a Mayan temple, we should send this to Daniel Jackson, the crackpot in archaeology that no (laughs) one respects. Yeah, (laughs) He's gonna know what to do with this.
3: Instead of... That artifact leaving Mexico is preposterous
1: that yeah it's, yes. it's ridiculous right the, the first thing they would do would be to call the press and say okay listen there's bodies and it's kind of a fishy matter but also there's an egyptian thing in our mayan temple what the fuck let's call every archaeologist in the world over here right away please uh, <laughs> and like people would say it's a fraud or whatever and the dead bodies make it suspicious it would like be on the news every the, the whole news cycle would be about this right now but for some reason uh no one says anything to anyone. It's everything about this stays classified. They just go, oh, yeah, call Daniel and send it to him. He's going to get a get a kick out of this one because uh, <laughs> it confirms his theories that everyone thinks are ridiculous. Um, well,
3: I hope, so, I hope uh, Daniel liked uh, the Mexican yeah. government sending something to him because they're never going to send anything again mm-hmm. based on how the episode ends. We'll get to it, but.
1: Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sarcophagus, uh, that priceless uh, million-dollar dis- archaeological discovery, which is also advanced alien technology, which is of the kind that the SGC has been looking for since the be- beginning of the show, is going to be destroyed by the end of this episode. <laughs> Sorry. Um so yeah, they just like talk about the sarcophagus. Uh, da- Jack reminds us that they saw it in the in the movie, and it's the the healing thing that uh, brought him and uh, that brought Daniel and Shari back to life in the movie when they were both uh, dead. Um, which is gonna be like a, a, a MacGuffin that they're gonna use once in this episode. It's it's only at, at the SGC for the sake of doing a fake out with Jack and like him being a Jafar later on. It's 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 really something. Um, one of the many uh, ding—that's a sin of this episode, because none of none of this episode makes any goddamn sense for a second. Uh, especially not the like, uh, not quite the next thing that happens. But the the next thing that happens is a guard comes in and says, "Hey, we have someone." Who came in from the surface uh, and wants to st- talk to you? And like Hammond is like, "Well, uh, tell her to fuck off," I guess because w- why should I go talk to her? And this this guard says, <laughs> "Well, she knew the Stargate was here." Dum dum dum, and that's the cold open. Um, you think you think the Stargate right. Initiative,
3: like the yeah. Air Force, has a has a moving order? Hey, if anybody. Remotely looking ancient Egyptian <laughs> comes up. Uh, don't let him in.
1: Right, right. Like here are the telltale signs of a ghoul: calls themselves by an ancient Egyptian name, has s- s- all kinds of regalia and makeup on around their eyes and stuff. Uh, uses the royal we. Uh, has a big, deep, like bass boosted voice. Like all oh, uh, glowing eyes. All of these things, you know. Uh, but yeah, no. Apparently. Like, also the, the, okay. We, the audience, at this point, already know that she's a ghoul, because we know she came out of that sarcophagus and spoke in a ghoul voice and asked about Ra. Okay. Credit to these people, they don't know that yet, but also, this is a lady that comes in and could not be screaming, I am a gold louder if she were trying, because <laughs> <laughs> as I said, Royal Wee, she says her name is Hathor, she's wearing a weird flasher's uh, trench coat <laughs> for some reason, because that's just concealing the fact that she's dressed in ancient Egyptian robes, uh, <laughs> which is, you know, she just looks weird and even creepier with that trench coat. Um, yeah. Like for at first, I thought they had put it on her, but I think no. yeah, you're right. Like no, she she went there she to like this way. disguise that, but she still still says we are Hathor, and like she has a very bad wig also, which I can't stop staring at anytime <laughs> she's on screen. That thing is horrible. Uh Clearly, not this lady's real hair. Uh, <laughs> um. Anyway, um. So, uh, we have Hammond, Jack, and Daniel walking into her holding cell, um, where she says, like, we are Hathor, and they're meant to be released at once. And, like, Hammond and Jack, like, just kind of, like, scoff at it and laugh a little bit, like, D- get a load of this crazy person. Uh, <laughs> why would she come here and say stuff like that? I don't know. Why? What, what reason could someone possibly have to say that they're an ancient Egyptian god and know about the Stargate, you idiots? Um... <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah Daniel explains what Hathor is uh basically the the, the Egyptian uh goddess of beauty and sex and love and uh, fertility and the harvest and whatever else you know the same kind of uh archetype as you know Aphrodite for Greeks um You know I I would figure
2: that the reason to ha- to have a whole to have a whole panopticon of gods Mm-hmm.
1: Was so that they could have less jobs. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, the, she took a lot of under her umbrella. I guess <laughs> um, they're gonna get to it. But she's also Ra's wife s- and daughter because you know, you know, mythology and it's incest. Uh, how much they love that. Um, But yeah, this is, this is also, yeah, she, she's actually Ra's actual wife in universe, uh, as well. So, uh, she, she was the queen, uh, you know, the same, the same thing Amanit is to Apophis. She was that to Ra, basically, uh, the one that spawned all of Ra's child ghouls, uh, which is also going to be revealed later on, which, you know, if you could put two and two together and know what the word queen means and what the ghouls are, you might think that, hey, they have to come from somewhere. Um, anyway. Uh, so, so yeah, the fr- yeah. Go ahead. One one
3: thing. So Daniel describes uh this woman as being the god of fertility and you know inebriation and that, and oh uh, yeah, you know Jack hears it as the god of uh sex and uh sex, sex drugs and, and, and rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it made me immediately wish that this character was as cool as Sammy Kerr, the antagonist <laughs> from Trick or Treat.
1: Oh wow, this is way above my head. I've never seen that.
3: Uh, it's a 1986 horror movie.
1: Yeah, I think I think I've heard of it, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's literally like a, a, a
3: demonic god ghost of rock and roll oh, who's going around <laughs> killing people. Uh,
1: uh, that was wish that would. Yeah,
3: I wish this episode had that energy uh, and that budget, <laughs> but yet here we are.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have yeah. been better than what we get, which is a C tier poison ivy ripoff. Uh, this is. Okay, so the first thing that happens is, she says, we demand to be to be unbound or whatever, and Daniel goes like, yeah, well, we should probably take off her cuffs, like, for some reason, I should go there myself, first of all, why does Daniel have the key to the handcuffs? No idea, he's never been shown to have that, he's not the one that put them on her. Uh, like, what? why does he say that? I guess she is in a cell, and like, at this point, she might have her hands go free, but... Why is he the one humoring her on this? It's because, like, it's the old, like, anthropologist thing, but also at this point, you have every reason to believe that this lady is a ghoul. Like, this is, she has every bullet point on the list except the voice, but we know they can disguise the voice from Kowalski, like, all those episodes ago anyway. So don't go next to her. Don't go what she asks, don't do what she asks you to do. Uh- but she does that anyway, and after this point, well, she breathes some pink dust on his hand, which makes him mind controlled for the rest of the episode. Now, so he's all under her charm. So uh, everything he does after that is at least excusable as like being under her thrall. But like he he already like dropped the ball big time before this point by just going there in the first place. Um, I, so I'm yeah, just... what I said. This is sorry.
3: I'm gonna say again from from last week. I forgot Daniel had a wife
1: in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's been mentioned briefly earlier, like when he was talking about the sarcophagus. Uh, I don't think she's going to be mentioned again for the rest of this episode, which is going to be, you know, uh, Daniel's going to get laid later on or, well which is the nice way to say it he's gonna get raped later on by hathor uh so do you think maybe like this would be worth a mention or something but uh no guess not because nothing that happens here has any consequences uh besides uh the obvious things we'll point out at the end of the episode it's um, it's
3: just one of those things like like carter could have tried to utilize that to snap daniel out of his thrall but again, yeah. the show seems to have forgotten that he is married.
1: Yeah, but but also, like, Daniel, mm-hmm. the but by the time the ladies decide to do something in this episode, Daniel's already, like, gone and had sex with her, and after that, he's just there. He doesn't, like, do anything for the rest of the episode except be slack-jawed and hypnotized. And uh, screams, he screams oh, at one point. Right. Oh, yeah, he yeah. does that because he's upset at the end. Um but yeah, uh, like yeah, when I said she's a C tier poison ivy ripoff, this could this could literally be a Batman script that like got chopped around and then like got Stargate picked it up and they just like polished it a bit and like uh, added some hooks to it to make it more about Stargate because um, that's what I think happened because the way that they have there's two story by credits and then screenplay by. Jonathan Glasner, who's, like, the co-creator and showrunner of Stargate, makes me think this is exactly what happened. This was a spec script not uh, initially necessarily attached to Stargate. Uh, This could have have also been an X-Files episode or something.
3: Um, It certainly does feel like a C-tier Poison Ivy. As someone who has watched Gotham two times through, Mm -hmm. Like huh? they
1: do have better poison ivy than this show, clearly. But <laughs> I'm not. am not surprised. like she also like her terrible wig is red. So like that makes me think that the 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 costumers were also thinking of poison ivy when they made up her costume. Because why else would an Egyptian queen have red hair? Anyway. Um, so yeah, uh, da- Daniel is uh, all uh, under her spell now. Uh, Hathor says that she was drawn here by the Chapa Eye which, I like, I guess there's gonna be a, this notion later on that the gold have like Naquadah in their blood and Naquadah kind of like attracts itself or can so like when you have a gold in you, you can kind of vaguely feel where a Stargate might be or where other Naquadah is and that's what, like, I guess that's what she used to find the Stargate because it's highly classified she presumably just mind-controlled her way over to Colorado from Mexico, uh, there like there's no other reason for her to have any kind of clue where it is. They just made up a reason, like oh yeah, I was drawn to it or whatever. Um, I also want to point out that the, the subtitles uh, called it the Chacatay, which is uh, <laughs> a poor subtitling job right there because it doesn't even sound anything like what they say. Uh, <laughs> it's Chapa i Check your Google language, everyone. Um, So, yeah, they they remind us that that's the the gold name for uh, what the Stargate is. Uh, And you think maybe, like, uh, O'Neill is the first person to say the word Stargate in this scene. And you think maybe, like, in front of a prisoner that they know nothing about, he might not say the super classified thing you signed an an NDA for. But there you go. He just says it right there because uh, this is a poor script. Um so, yeah, uh, they start talking about Ra and Daniel, who's hypnotized once again, say, kind of starts to say, Ra is, and then Hammond, like, kind of gives him stink eyes and says, no, wait, don't say anything. Uh, oh. And go, uh, Daniel unconvincingly gets up and goes, Ra is a myth, he doesn't exist. Um, uh, yeah, uh, okay, so they they do a little bit more exposition and she says that Ra is her, her husband, and Daniel says so it's said that Ra uh, corrupted and imprisoned Hathor in mythology, and she gets upset at this and says, we were not corrupted because uh, the 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 gist of it is actually that she went off on her own and kind of uh, didn't want to be part of Ra's whole deal anymore. When Ra was Emperor of the Galaxy, she was like, "Hey, I don't want to be just his wife." Uh, I guess she wants to have her own empire. Um, anyway, uh, at this point, yeah, uh, Jack once again still somehow convinced that this is a crazy lady and not a gold uh, says says as much to Hammond that they want to they should put her in a padded cell. Uh, and Hammond is at least a little bit more discerning and says, uh, no, we should actually ask her a bunch of questions and figure out what she knows, which, you know, makes more sense at least. Uh, <laughs> the next thing, though, is that, uh, Hathor, uh, calls him the, 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 you with a crown of marble, which is kind of funny, but, uh, <laughs> she says that she wants to kiss his hand and at first he's like, <laughs> if get fucked, why would I do that? Uh, Daniel's like, no, 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 Wait. Cause you know, if you do that, it's, you're gonna gain her, her her trust, and she's gonna like be more receptive to your questions, which. I guess this is the point where I just come out and say it. This is a hypno-fetish porn scenario right there. Everything that's happened so far with Daniel being the one that gets everyone else like hypnotized is, is just the thing that happens in that specific type of porn video. And I'm sorry to have to tell the Stargate writers from 97 that my internet brain now knows this when I'm watching this and this is the only thing I can think of. <laughs> um, but yeah, that it doesn't get better because that's the rest of the episode right there. Uh, so Hammond goes over and gives his hand to Hathor and she blows her pink dust on him. Uh, and now I guess he's also hypnotized and they just walk out of there. Uh yeah no so as soon as Hammond and Jack are out uh she she puts on the glowing eyes and the big deep voice and she asks where Roy is uh and Daniel just tells her hey, Roy is dead we killed him <laughs> um, so uh, she she actually smiles at this and says oh she's happy about this because uh yeah as i said her 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 whole deal is she wanted to basically take over the empire. Uh, now she's like, all right, he's out of the way. Now I just need to uh, make a bunch of babies, escape from here, and get started on that plan of mine t- of taking over the galaxy. Uh, and like she like she opens her 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 trench coat all flasher like and reveals she's wearing a sexy sexy dress under there. Uh, she like kind of, like, just has Daniel walk over and, like, they start kissing on the mouth and she blows more dust into his mouth as they do that. Uh, it's just very sexy and dumb. Um, the, the deeply so, unsexy. Is uh, <laughs>
3: this is not a sexy yeah. episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, here's the thing. It's It's, like, the scenarios are things that are Part of a certain subset of fetishes that some people are into, let's say. And that I'm sure at least one of the writers of this episode like knew this as they were writing this because it's way too on the nose not to be that. Uh, but also, it's not played sexily, and the actors don't really play it sexy either because they, they want this to be a scary horror thriller episode thing. It's, so it's, it's kind of like it's it's when I watch
3: Showgirls for the first time. And they get to the the sex scene in the pool, <laughs> oh and it's yeah oh, God completely <laughs> yeah. unsexy the the least sexy sex scene ever filmed,
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's uh, yeah the, the showgirl sex scene if you haven't seen it, it's like a person who doesn't un- know what sex is, but has seen a hundred different softcore porns uh directs two people uh in a sex scene, and they just. They get naked and hump really energetically and in a way that is more funny than sexy. And it's if just If you had what someone describe anyway. what sex was um,
3: in a game of telephone, twenty people away is what the showgirls' tool um, scene
0: is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, this episode is at least less explicit than that. It leaves more to our imagination. Uh, but yeah, uh, we'll get to that later uh, because uh, it 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 does. Gives us like just enough for our imagination to know exactly what it's talking about. Um, so yeah, the, now everyone is in the briefing room and they're like, "What's the deal with this Hathor lady?" Am I right? Chicks, right? Uh, women be crazy. Uh, and that, this is when Daniel comes down and says, uh, "By the way, she's a gould, and everyone is like, "What?" <laughs> they can't believe it. <laughs> their eyes shoot out of their heads. Because uh, who could have possibly guessed that? Like, she said her name is Hathor, and all the gold we know are Egyptian gods, and I won't tear off my hair right now. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of willful uh, stupidity. Yeah, it's it's like... You know, that that would be the first thing anyone would think of. Uh And, like, Carter is and Teal, to a lesser extent, are the, like, the token skeptics in this episode. But even them go, like, oh, she's a ghoul, and, like, her being here is a bad idea, then we should probably put her in a jail cell and make sure she doesn't, like do any nasty evil shit Uh, but Daniel says no 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 Uh, Hathor based on mythology and the five minute conversation I just had with her was a good goddess and she was the friend to everyone and she she she, she was just spread love and it'll be cool guys it's cool yeah it was cool it's fine she's not evil or anything like I just told you she was Ra's wife and like she's literally Ra's wife but it's fine (laughs) it's cool we should just actually have her come down here and check out the place, like, f- freely. And, like, is like, no, 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 wait, no. <laughs> but then, like, Daniel goes right up in front of General Hammond, and I guess through the transitive property of mind-control gas, uh, he looks at him in his eyes, and Daniel's eyes light up in that pink dust that, that That we saw <laughs> and Hammond has a reaction, which you know we know Hammond has already been gassed, so he's already mind controlled at this point, but like it needs like a supply of it to keep going it to keep to keep you under control, and I guess he only got a small part of it, and he's starting to slip out, and just looking at Daniel like snaps him back into it um anyway, uh, so Hammond says, yeah yes, you're right, we should have her come down here and take a look around and stuff. (laughs) Like, Hammond sends the guards over to get her, and Jack once again says, hey, are you out of your mind? What the hell are you talking about? Like... (laughs) And at this point, like, they, they, they don't suspect that mind control stuff is afoot, but, you know, you think they would raise way stronger objections and maybe do something to prevent it, and maybe, like, go, hey, maybe go lay down, maybe you're not thinking straight. Um, the best they can do is that Carter says they should close the blast door to hide the gate while she's there, and they do do that, um, but not, not, that's not going to do much good anyway uh because yeah she walks down she she's lost the trench coat now she's just in her dress in front of everyone because i guess now that everyone knows that she's a ghoul it's fine to just look like that uh even though like clearly only the two mind control guys trust her at this point the, the other ones go along with it with with it because of the of chain of command and hierarchy i guess if hammond says it's fine it's fine uh military is a hell of a thing i guess um and, like, Hathor asks for some water, and Hammond asks O'Neill to give her water, which, you know... <laughs> Jack O'Neill is an is a Air Force colonel, and, you know, he's being given that intern task right there. That, that should raise some eyebrows, I guess. Uh, but he does, like, take the, the glass of water to her, because this general did just give him an order, I guess. Um, He hands it to her, and obviously she does the hand-kiss thing and blows her dust on him again, uh, which, you know, like, okay, so all three people that had that done to them were the only ones that saw it happen the first two times, so anyone who would think it's fishy that she keeps doing this is is already under control anyway, but yikes. Um, But, okay. So next, Tilk goes up to her and like kind of just gives her this defiant stare and says, "Hey, so I hate Gould, I I I hate everything you stand for, and I fight against your kind, and I kind of want to kill you or whatever." He oh. doesn't say that. He just stares at her angrily, um, <laughs> and 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 like uh, and like Hathor says clearly that, "Oh, hey, you're Jafar," and she recognizes Apophis's emblem on his forehead, and. Uh, uh, and she says, it's fine, like, Apophis is one of my enemies, too. I, I, I'm i against him, I'm on your side. Um, which is, like, to be fair, that part is true, because, you know, Apophis is, uh, like, both in mythology and in Stargate, uh, Apophis was opposed to Hathor and Ra, and he's kind of a... A shitlord in in the ter- in terms of st- the Stargate power rankings as of as of season one, and like the other system lords don't really like Apophis either. Like basically everyone hates Apophis, including other other gold. So that part is at least on the level, <laughs> but it's not it's not quite uh, the enemy <laughs> we'll of my enemy is my friend, as is, as is going to be alluded to, um, right now actually, yeah. Uh, but but the part that really breaks me is that uh, like. Tilke keeps being defiant in her face, and she picks up his hand and blows at it, and, like, we, w- I guess we're supposed, we, the audience, are supposed to think that Tilke is under mind control now, but she- he- he's not gonna be, because his, Jafa- his gold is gonna, like, prevent him from falling under her control, and, like, she knows this. Hathor should know that Jafar can't be mind-controlled because, like, she's a ghoul. She knows what Jafar. are. She knows what they do. And that's her power right there. So why would she even try that? I don't get it. It's just nonsense. So, um... Next up, Carter is the one who goes over there and defies her. Uh, Hathor starts by trying to pull the charms on her, I guess, by calling her extremely beautiful. And it, it... Almost seems like she's testing her gaydar because she wants to figure out okay if this lady's gay maybe I can use my mind control on her too. Uh, but like Carter doesn't take the bait; she's just like stares at her and like Deadpan says, uh, "Thanks, you too. Uh Not not in a "ooh, you think so?" way. Uh, so I guess if that was the point of that sentence, uh, I, that that's not that it didn't work in Hathor's favor right there. Um,
3: this, this episode is. I, I would label it heteronormative in that oh, yeah. the, the fertility goddess, the the goddess mm-hmm. in, in charge of love, uh, seems to only <laughs> be able to affect uh, hetero men.
1: Yep <laughs> it's 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 a it's a '90s show because they don't. They don't think that uh, anything outside of the cis-hetero uh, normative mold can can exist, like in a way that needs to be addressed for this episode, anyway. Because uh, yeah, this as far as this episode is concerned, the dust works on all the men, doesn't work on women, uh, <laughs> doesn't work on Jaffa either, uh, and that's it. That's that's the end of the story. Because no one is gay, and don't worry about it, and everything is okay. Uh, by the way I looked it up uh, I mentioned that in the, the the podcast chat I looked up like the Stargate uh, wiki page for LGBT characters and it has a whole six characters listed for the whole franchise uh, one of which is in a novel so never appears in any <laughs> TV show two of which are in Stargate Origins which is the bad web show we're never gonna talk about and like the, so there's one in Atlantis and two in Universe and that's it <laughs> these are the only non like the only canonically non cis straight characters on this franchise which is kind of a bummer uh, maybe expected based on what time period this uh, this started at and like ended in 2011 which is you know uh, fittingly that's when there was Universe and one of the main cast members is explicitly gay Uh but that's the, yeah, it was like to 20, uh, 2009 to 2011 by then. So it was right around when, you know, Battlestar Galactica also had gay characters at that time. So it was starting to be accepted at that point. Uh, I mean, but like, we, yeah. we
3: are jumping past Xena and Buffy.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, okay. Yeah, oh, that's for sure. Yeah, Buffy started having that like in season three ish, right? Uh, uh, and like four. with Willow later on. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, you had, uh, you had faith, uh, not faith. No, Tar, yeah, that's faith, right. right? Faith.
3: Once, yeah, once Willow yeah, gets there, to
1: college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Willow, <laughs> Willow finds out she's gay and, and stuff, but like, there's anyway. May, maybe that's just headcanon that Faith is is bi or whatever. I, I'm not. I don't remember if that's ever uh, explicited. Anyway, yeah, you're right. That Buffy was one of the first high-profile drama shows to have uh, a uh, queer character in it, uh, and this is this predates that. But Stargate is still uh, pretty impressively slow to uh get with the time so to speak and it certainly wasn't there in 1997. Mm. Um which is like yeah it's it's also like contemporary with DS9 that was at least doing some stuff with gender at that point, which Stargate is not touching. Uh it's, there's gonna be some gender stuff with the Gold and their hosts a little bit later on, but it's 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 very it's a, a very light touch. It's like a feather touch of, like, yeah, maybe a girl can go on a host of a different gender, and then they change their pronouns at this point, and that's it. Like, that's all there is about it. Uh, there's a little bit of that, but it's not much, you know. Anyways, yeah, it's it's still a '90s show at heart. Uh, we're not there yet. All that to say, uh, straight people only in this episode. Men love Hathor, women don't. Teal'c? Question mark. We're gonna talk about it. Um um So yeah, uh uh so Carter after having that little conversation with Hathor turns to all the men around there and says, "Hey, so this is insane, right? We're not going to actually do this." And like she like ha- Hammond is clearly like not hearing anything she's saying because he's too infatuated at this point. And like uh like Carter specifically asks O'Neill to back her up. And she says, yeah, of course I'll back you up if I think there's any problem with this, which there's not right now. Um... Which, like, at this point, you kind of, like, almost sense that there's almost a point to this episode, which is that, (laughs) hey, it's kind of fucked up that all the hierarchy that's above her head is men, and they can completely override her. And, like, it's, you know, you you think this episode maybe has something to say about that, about, you know, if the general was a woman, there wouldn't have been a problem in the first place or whatever, but it doesn't, like, it doesn't... It doesn't get there it doesn't say that that's not the thesis of this episode the thesis is sexy lady like and hypnotizes man and she's scary actually and a monster because it's it's really schlocky um, so uh they they basically so uh, they show Hathor to her guest quarters which looks like the presidential suite basically it's a it's a really nice room with like a couple couches a nice bed and a TV and everything uh, and a big U.S. flag, which, like, really highlights the presidential suite. Um, and, and like, yeah, yeah so they, they bring her there, and they start to say, so we'll have a couple of guards posted at your door at all times. And she blows some more dust in Hammond's face, and he goes, goo goo gaga. um And then, like, Oni is like, are you sure of this? And she goes over and does the same thing to him. And, like, they both go, oh, I guess no guards is fine. Uh We almost skipped. We we skipped over it in the previous scene, but Hammond makes the funniest face as he's leaving the previous scene to lead Hathor to her room. Like he has the horny eyes on, and it really cracks me up uh, to see this guy acting this way, uh, very much outside of the stuff he he usually does on this show. Uh, So yeah, uh, she's convinced the man that did not have any guards there, which is. You know, uh, th- th- which is also when I realized that th- the SGC is weirdly empty in this episode. Y- us- there's usually, like, a bunch of hustle and bustle in the background with a bunch of extras doing stuff, and there's, like, almost no one in this one. It- it- it's really weird. It's it's almost like it's a holiday, and everyone is off base. Um, but I guess, like, it's for suspension of disbelief. If-, if there was 100 people there, you would really wonder why no one is doing anything about this, um, which is convenient. Uh, So, yeah, uh, Hammond and O'Neill leave the room, and Hathor tells them, hey, stay here. Uh, (laughs) And she says, like, "Uh, yeah, uh, do I have your eternal undying devotion, whatever, do you swear your allegiance to me? And she eventually says, would you die for us? And he says, yes. And like, there's a a sinister music cue there, because as if we're not supposed to understand until this point that it's really dangerous and dark what's happening. That Daniel is under control, complete mind control at this point. Um. So, uh, yeah, the next scene is uh, Carter and O'Neill walking through a hallway, uh, and Carter is once again trying to get it across to him. That uh, Hathor is dangerous and that they shouldn't, like, be letting her roam free in the SGC because she's a gold. And O'Neill just says, yeah, relax, it's fine. Uh, <clears throat> she, she's good, don't worry about it. And, like, he tries to pull the weird... So, it, pe- pe- people said that about Teal, Can you hate it when people say that about him. And he's already proven his his friendliness to us and like don't you think you're being a hypocrite right now and she says yeah no but Tilk saved our lives and stuff and he's proven he's on our side and she's done nothing since she got here except demand stuff like that's that's uh, that's fucked up what's happening and she points out that usually even when like you know an enemy uh, flips side over to the US they still have a bunch of CIA agents check them out all the time and make sure that they're not a spy working for the other side or whatever and, uh, yeah, he says, Daniel's watching her right now, which, you know, very uh, convincing argument there. And I guess Carter gives up the argument at this point, because he just walks off and she just stares, like, worried. Um, so, uh, we're in the gate room now, uh, where the sarcophagus still is, because uh, no one's had the time to move it away from there, which is, you know, you think, <laughs> it, it's it's literally... Yeah, it's literally standing right at the bottom of the ramp to the Stargate, which you'd think would be a safety hazard, like people would trip on it. And we know that there's these yellow lines around the Stargate that says keep clear, and it, it is explicitly not clear right now. <laughs> there's a big obstacle in there, which they, is
3: They wouldn't uh, nice. just bring it to any um, other room. Like, do they just treat that one room as, this is where relics <laughs> go. Any artifact, <laughs> just shove it in the gate room.
1: <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they they didn't have a big warehouse set to put this on, I guess. And like as you said, this is a bottle episode, so they only use the sets they already have. Uh, they didn't have a room they could pretend is a storage room for this thing that's big enough. Uh, even though I'm pretty sure, like later on, there's going to be like you're, you're going to see more of the SGC and rooms like that, and the gym and let's, whatever you're going to start just seeing. Put it them. into that room um,
3: that has no security, that has multiple access points.
1: <laughs> uh-huh and which has you know the stargate, the most important object that we have in our thing um it has the
2: the just the the worst history of uh of breach
1: <laughs> yeah into the facility oh yeah, it's like there's always like there's an emergency concerning this thing every single week let's just have our priceless uh alien technology stored here uh so, yeah, they, they chat a little bit about, like, Daniel is still uh, giving her her own exposition and saying, you know, in our mythology, you're described as the most beautiful woman that ever lived, etc., etc., which, you know, I'm, I'm sure in Egyptian mythology it says that, but other mythologies had always say that about, about whatever their sex goddess I'm, is. I'm going to um, add
3: a, polite. So, whoever, whoever uh-huh. is like, writing that is probably under her thrall, mm-hmm. historically, <laughs> <laughs> just, I mean, just my own preference, yeah. like Doctor Fraser, is more attractive in this episode than Hathor.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean yeah. Well, the, 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 well Doctor Doctor Fraser is always attractive in every episode. <laughs> oh yeah, she's she's a she's a pretty woman. Uh, like the the lady who plays Hathor is not ugly by any stretch, but they really play up how sexy she is in an in an overdone way that is like just camp. Really, it, it, you don't really yes. buy it, and like and and the stupid ugly wig really <laughs> detracts from her whole <laughs> deal. <laughs> the
3: um, Egyptian wig. that's a hard
1: sell (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly Um, like I guess she is showing more cleavage than most women tend to on this show which is anyway and has more makeup on Uh, yeah so she 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 goes over to the stargate and starts talking to it which is nice (laughs) she says I've missed you my love or whatever um and then they talk some more, and she just lays it out for Daniel. And says, "Hey, don't you wonder where gold come from, little boy? Let, let's have the birds <laughs> and the beasts talk about gold." And uh, <laughs> and he says, "Wait, what? They come from you? You make them?" And she says, "Yup, that's me, and me and others." And which you know, it's it's something you might have assumed considering. Uh, Apophis has also referred to Amonet as his queen. That this is the kind of situation they have. Uh, but like this is yeah, this is where it's made explicit that gold queens spawn uh, gold uh, litters. I guess uh, a bunch of them in the in the same uh, water tank or tub. In the case of this episode. Um. So, uh, speaking of Dr. Fraser, this is where she enters the episode, because she walks in there, which I guess she came back from whatever holiday was happening, because she hasn't been there until now. Uh, she's, she's, she just walks into Carter's office, or at least this, I, I guess this is the infirmary, because there's a bunch of x-rays on the walls and stuff, and this is the only computer that has internet or something, because <laughs> Carter's doing some research at that computer, Um yeah <laughs> like the, the the most buck wild exchange happens now which is carter says hey have you noticed that all the men here are acting weird and carter's like uh yeah oh my god you're right what the hell is what is up with that <laughs> you would think they would be, like they, they don't sound alarmed enough in my opinion about the fact <laughs> that their whole chain of command is completely compromised by everyone acting irrationally about this woman um and Garu says, yeah, I uh I alta Vista'd Hathor for a second here and check out the the cool hot nineteen ninety-seven webpage I found about her. And I love this. 90s internet is Chef Kiss. I love it whenever it appears on a TV show. Uh we we have We have Netscape in what looks like a Windows pre-95 window uh, with a Geocities ass page that says Hathor, the original goddess of love, with a tiled background, with static images, with a URL that starts with file (laughs) colon slash 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 C colon slash HTTP, which is very legit and fake, but I love it. (laughs) <laughs> I just I just noticed that. Sorry. i I freeze framed on the computer screen and the URL is not a real one, and I, I think it's really funny for some reason. Um uh, yeah, so we get like uh some shots of that uh webpage as uh Carter is saying so there's a bunch of different goddesses of love, and some theories say that she's all the same goddess. And I guess this is like yeah, this is the the, the lore that they're establishing, is that uh all the other ones we mentioned uh Is like, she says, Ishtar of Babylon, Astarte of Syria, Ceres of Rome, but like Ceres is, uh, uh, he, she's, I forget her name in Greek, but she's the, the, uh, the harvest goddess. She's not Aphrodite because that's Venus in in Latin, um, which you would think she would say Venus or uh, Aphrodite or whatever, but no, Ceres, um. So, uh, y- yeah, uh, so Carter says that, uh, everyone has some nice things to say about their respective goddesses of sex and history, but, uh, there was a period apparently in ancient history where the story says that Hathor was sent by Ra to uh, destroy mankind and then Ra changed his mind and they became enemies after that. Cause I guess Hathor had that hate boner on and wanted to get the killing going. And Ra decided, no, 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 don't do that. And that was the source of their falling out or something. Um, not gonna be elaborated on. This is all we <laughs> get about this. <laughs> but yeah, the, 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 the. The, the, the one important thing is that she, she struck off on her own at, after that point, and she was no longer uh, associated with Ra. Um, and, like, she says that, yeah, according to, once again, the internet, uh, the, the Hathor was able to uh, to to control the wiles, uh, use her wiles to control men and, like, make people drunk with her presence. Uh, basically, you know, mind control. Uh, and you say, oh, yeah, that sounds like what's going on here. It really feels like we have two dots and we just drew a line between them. And that's it. That's the picture because that's all there is to it. <laughs> um, and Carter says, so this, it must be some gold tech that is doing this mind control thing. I wonder what it is. Uh, and uh, yeah, they say Frazier says uh, maybe some chemicals we don't know about, and Carter says super pheromones, which is <laughs> <laughs> a nice conclusion to jump to. But uh, yeah, I guess uh, okay. Fraser's is the one who says super pheromones. It's just that the the subtitles say that while well, the camera is looking at Carter. Um, that, so yeah, Frazier's theory is that it's pheromones c- combined with uh, like like pentothal or something that makes. Uh, people suggested like this truth serum kind of thing, the the, the known mind control, uh, the old standbys, you know, or whatever. But an alien version of it that actually works and is effective and stuff. Um,
3: I I appreciate that they try to like they they try to work out what it is. Uh, the episode doesn't really yeah. go anywhere with that. They could have just said no. well, it's bright magic. She casts a spell on them uh, because they don't yeah or she 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 has a, they, they, yeah. they don't oh, yeah. resolve the issue scientifically. No,
1: no, they don't. Like, this is, this is the techno battle you have when the next scene is they're in the lab with like beakers and like little, like, uh, little things that they mixed liquid in and they put it in the centrifuge and go, aha, I have found the anti mind control serum. They don't do that in this, (laughs) in this episode. It doesn't,
2: it doesn't care.
1: Yeah. It just fades away when she leaves because when she's not there, she's not controlling them and that's it. That's, that's, that's the resolution at the end of this episode, that she leaves. Um, so, yeah, they, they decide, so if we can't figure out how to undo that, because, like, Fisher's like, oh, we could take years to develop or whatever, and Carter says, well, okay, we sh- so we should neutralize Hathor then. Um, so, uh, so, we get back to Hathor and Daniel, who are walking back into her room, uh, and, like, Daniel was asking a bunch of questions about Gould uh, reproductive processes <laughs> and Hathor really uses words that mean something else to say we need the the juices of the whole spe- of the whole species because to get the code of life which is really a lot of words to say that she wants Daniel's cum right there because that's what yeah. this whole scene is about have fun everyone i wonder if michael shanks remember that his cum was a plot point in an episode of stargate in 1997 uh <laughs> but here we are this is the other Poor, real porny scene of the, in this episode, where she gets right up. At him, and takes off his glasses and goes, "I need your coat of life from your juices, and he goes, "Ah, yeah, you need me to make more gold and like for for like just a second, he snaps out of it and realizes that it's fucked up what she's doing, and uh, but like she she kind of like he kind of grabs her arm, but she's right in his face, and she just blows more dust at him, and now he's uh all the way hers, and there you go, uh Rufi Daniel at this point is going to be sexually abused by Hathor. Uh, and it's not gonna be framed that way at all. Well, it's, there's gonna be one scene later where it's kind of like, you, you kind of get the picture, but also it's, it's not like, Daniel is never gonna, like, go, next time they see Hathor. Oh, yeah. By the way, I'm sorry, everyone. Hathor is gonna be back after this episode and later episodes. <laughs> the other episodes are not as bad as this one, at least. I can promise that. But, uh, yeah, she's, she's not out of the picture. She's not out of the story after this. Um, but yeah he's not gonna be like lady you raped me and that's fucked up and I want to like make good on well, I want you to make good on that or whatever that's not gonna be a factor or anything uh, cause you know in, how in pop culture uh, when a woman rapes a man it's not really a thing it's just it's at best a funny thing that happened uh, or real sexy so there you go this is once again a, a 90s show um, and a bad episode of a 90s show so, uh, <laughs> So uh so now all four ladies in the SGC, by which I mean <laughs> Captain Samantha Carter, Dr. Janet Fraser, and two other ladies who don't have a speaking role too, and are just random. extras yeah. <laughs> have dressed in camo in like heavy armor and are now uh Carter is handing them guns because they go, Yeah, now we're the resistance, we have to uh find Hathor and shoot her. And, like, uh, Frazier establishes that she's shot a gun before in, in training. Uh, it's not really clear because she's just doctor. She's not an officer. But I guess she's, yeah. also, she's had basic military training on how to shoot a gun anyway because she was going to be a military doctor, I guess.
2: Well, you... I mean, she is a military... I mean, you would have... Even after even training, you'd have yeah. arms
1: training. Right. I mean, it makes sense. It's just... For a second, I had to stop and ask myself, Wait, is she a soldier? And I guess, like, (laughs) technically, maybe yes, but she's just a doctor. And she, even outside of the base, she also works in a hospital. And anyway. um, What's
3: important is that uh, moving forward, I'm going to believe that Dr. Frazier could take Daniel Jackson in a fight.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. She's, she's had more gun training than him. She says that she can, she knows how to point and shoot that, uh, M40 or whatever gun this is. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. Uh, e- eventually all the Stargate guns are going to be P90s, but we are, we're not at that point yet. Um, uh Yeah, so then Teal enters the scene, because we haven't seen him since the briefing room scene like way back. I uh, don't know where he's been, but he hasn't been part of this episode much. Um, And he walks in, and uh, all the ladies point their guns at him. Uh, and he goes, hey, no, I'm good. Uh, trust me, I'm not under her control. And like Carter says, yeah, well, we know that all the men in this space ha- are being controlled by her right now. Uh, and you're a man and he says no i am a jafar uh my ghoul protects me or whatever <laughs> which is uh anyone looking for gender in stargate uh have fun with that one uh it's not the, the show's not giving us much but uh for for the purposes of this episode i guess Teal'c is an honorary woman for a second um Anyway, as a cis guy, maybe I'm not the one to discuss these themes or how they resonate or whatever, but uh, there you go. It's not much of one anyway. It's it's just a, a coincidence of plot contrivances that Teal is immune to that uh, mind control gas. Um, but yeah, I guess they have him now on top of uh, these couple extras that I mentioned, uh, which, once again, you would think maybe someone would say Hey, it's fucked up that there's only like four of us on this entire base, and everyone else is a man who's being mind controlled. You'd think maybe if we had more gender parity in here, this wouldn't be such a problem, and like maybe turn to the camera and wink or something. But uh this is not, once again, the, they they don't even seem interested in making that point, even though it's a real easy one to make in this scenario. Um so yeah, uh Thiel basically says. Uh, Hathor's the ghoul, my, the only thing I care about is fuck the ghoul, so please give me a gun so I can shoot her. <laughs> uh, and Carter says, Mr. Tealc, welcome to the resistance, or whatever, something to that effect, and just hands him a gun. Um, so uh, the, so the, you see, like, yeah, Carter, Fraser, and Tealc walking around uh, with their guns. Tealc looks real cool because he has, like, a bulletproof vest on top of his t shirt, and he's holding his gun one armed. Uh, pointing out upwards he's got a real cool predator vibe going on in that scene i i really dig it is um,
3: is this the first time he's wielded a gun and not his staff
1: i, I believe so yeah there was the one time in the broker divide where they had to shoot guns to scare the the caveman i think that That's there was right. that one the, yeah the I, and then oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah there's this time um it, he looks good with a gun, I'm sorry. Like, the the staff is a cool weapon, and it's nice that Teal has his signature weapon and everything, but the dude looks good wielding a gun. He, <laughs> he looks just real cool. Um... So, yeah, uh, they, they've gone, like, they're going directly to that uh, suite that Hathor occupies, uh, where they just find uh, Catatonic Daniel sitting on the bed uh, with a thousand-yard stare, completely unresponsive, uh, in post-not-clarity, thinking, uh, I just got raped by Gould or something. For, maybe not, because he's under mind control, so maybe he's just, like, completely blank-minded at this point. Uh it's so a little creepy, a little funny. He's just like the face of a man who just gave all of the cum that he <laughs> Yeah, is. he's just been, you know, he's just been trained out. He, uh, yeah, he's empty. Uh, he's like, I'm just going to need to sit here for 20 minutes and uh, recuperate at this point. If you have some water, that would be nice. Thank you. Um, uh, he, al- he at least got dressed back up. He's not naked at this point, which is, you know... Um, so uh they 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 so the ladies and uh they're still even there anymore, and I don't know they they go around and start looking for Hathor uh they go over to i guess the, the so this is the room past the locker room 'cause we send we see them enter through the locker room into I guess the shower room and I don't think we've seen that before but it must have been there all along we might have seen it in the background of some shots that were in the locker room I just really like the geography of the SGC because it really feels like a real building because you recognize the recurring rooms pretty easily and I think it's been mentioned before that the gate room and the control rooms and the briefing room next to it is all one big set that they actually shoot in it's really cool I like it um Anyway, uh, the shower room has one of those tubs in the middle. Uh, that's, you know, it's one of those uh, jacuzzi, the, the small jacuzzi tubs that you can basically only sit in. Uh, that you find in locker rooms and like uh, yeah, the, the, s- the, s- the prisons, and talk hospitals.
3: I have never okay. been <laughs> in a locker room that has had a single tub. Facing everybody who's getting changed.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing, though. <laughs> this thing is placed there like it's on an altar. This is like the center of attention of this whole room. And yeah, there's there's I guess a wall between this and the, the like a privacy sh- screen wall between that place and the lockers where people get changed. But still, yeah, it's well, in the middle of okay. it instead of away in the corner.
2: To say that people get changed is overselling it. Yeah. This is a full-ass... Uh...
1: Uh... Uh... (laughs) Ass-out... Shower room. Yeah, okay, yeah. There's there's the showers (laughs) in the back that we don't actually see right now. Uh, But yeah, there's this tub in the middle of it. First of all, there's only one of them, and it's a single-person thing, so you'd think they would have maybe a few more of them if, you know, they keep having teams of four soldiers that come back from alien planets and have sore muscles and need to relax in one of these. Um... Because this is specifically like a hydrotherapy tub. This is you go yes. you go in there to relax your muscles when you need to actually heal from being wounded or whatever. They they have that in like sports locker rooms also when athletes like get really sore. I um, I watched
3: this and I had two plausible theories. One was, yeah. Hathor made all those guys build her a tub, which didn't seem that
1: feasible. Uh, I think, I don't <laughs> yeah, we, we should see someone with a welding torch. Yeah, yeah. I don't think
3: he has that schooling, uh, Daniel Jackson. Uh-huh. The second is that no. General Hammond had it installed so he could have an aqua throne to watch over his men. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah uh yeah and like the next shot we see that there's like uh carter walks past some showers like right behind her so this tub is directly facing the showers also which is nice um but yeah hathor is just uh chilling in that tub like uh her eyes are closed that she's just having enjoying a nice bath at this point um but I guess she hears the ladies walk in, and she opens her eyes and she calls out to them in gold, uh, in her big gold voice. Uh, and like General Hammond, among other, and O'Neill uh, and a bunch of other soldiers walk out and form a human shield in front of her, essentially. Um, um, and like, uh, th- it's a little creepy because O'Neill like has a line that's like, "Is that any way to treat a guest?" And it's the kind of sarcasm that he does say when he's like in his normal mind, but he's like. Doing it, doing it with a sinister intent, and it's kind of creepy. It's, it's a, I guess it's a good choice of line. So I'm not gonna praise much in this episode, but <laughs> this one line is cool. Um, and you see, like, like there's other soldiers that like walk up behind the ladies uh, and like hold guns at them and arrest them, and Hathor just kind of like stares at them and smiles through the human wall. Uh, so yeah, now all the ladies and Teal'c, because uh, he's in a different cell, but he they're they're all under arrest. Uh, all the ladies together in one cell, and Teal'c in another, I guess, because you know, gotta keep segregating the genders at this point, even though we're all an a army of mind control alien slaves. Um, uh, so yeah, so th- we have our little feminist like. Cool. <laughs> our little quote unquote feminist moment of the episode, which is to say, uh, our moment where the male writers in the 90s said, we should say something about women in this episode. And they wrote this one scene in it. Uh, and like, I, I think I've mentioned it before that. Uh, Amanda Tapping would eventually go to the writers and say to stop trying to write her this way and to, like, have her review the scripts more and to make her uh, behave, you know, like, she wants a woman to behave as the only woman on the main cast of this show instead of the weird, fucked-up way that the writers write her. So, uh, this was, like, this was the episode that broke her back, basically, because it was after (laughs) this one that she went there. (laughs) You know, uh, like, her eccentric episodes after this one immediately start getting better. Like the ne- the next episode is also a Carter centric episode uh and it you know it's still kind of a little bit stereotypical because it has to do with her being kind of a mother figure to someone. So but th- there's that but it's it's at least a better episode and like no one is being an idiot in that one and it's you know. So it's it's already a step up in that one. Um but yeah, this is the the, the bottom of the barrel is this one. Uh so yeah, uh this uh this little conversation that I alluded to is, uh, yeah, Carter says she's sick of being the girl on the team. And like, uh, she keeps feeling like she's not really part of uh, the team. And Fraser mentions her ex-husband, uh, who like tried to, uh, talk her out of, uh, signing up to be a military doctor. Uh, and that he said, that there's a reason they call it this man's army. And like, Oh God, they have a big laugh at her ex-husband's expense. Um, Which, calm down, uh, Kavika, she's ex husband. Janet Fraser is not currently married, still have a shot. Um, (laughs) um, So. um, When
2: when I was, what was this, 96? 97, yeah. 97, so when I was 14.
1: Uh (laughs) You had a shot with this 30 year old woman who's now in her 50s, yeah. Um, (laughs) um, So. yeah. So yeah. So the 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 fact that Carter says that she she always feels apart from the guys because she's the girl. This is where Fraser gets a little light bulb above her head and says, "I have an idea of how we can get out of here." <laughs> and this is oh god, it's so bad because um, she she goes like. So if Hathor is using pheromones, that means that everyone here is horny, right? And like she, she does a little face when she says that, like, if you see what I mean. And Carter says, Oh no, what are you thinking about? And like we cut from away from there for now. And Oh no is right based on what's going to happen. Uh, but we get another real weird scene before then because uh, Hathor has called O'Neill over to her room now. Um, and O'Neill, yeah, he's starting to snap out of it because, like, he says, he, he says he he's starting to go. Wait a minute, it's kind of weird what's been happening around here. Um, maybe we need to like put a break on everything. Like, he's not quite up to hey, put a gun on her; she's a bad guy level. But he's starting to uh, break out of it anyway. Uh, and like Hathor is just trying to compliment him and says, Ooh, Daniel says you're the, the strongest person here, the best warrior <laughs> we have on, on this planet or whatever. And Onion is like, yeah, 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 I really appreciate the compliment, but could we talk about the fact that you just put all the ladies, uh, under SNSL? Um, but like before he can keep talking, she blows more dust at him. Uh, and like she keeps up the seductive act and he goes, uh, blank faced once again. Um, and she starts unbuttoning his shirt, and we think oh they they 're about to get to sexy times too. She wants his code of life from his uh, from his juices also, but that 's not what shes she wants from him because she like rips off a panel on her dress that reveals a weird bikini that she has on underneath with like some metal framing that 's holding. Uh, like a thing on her belly like it 's a it 's a round it it looks a little bit like the hand devices it 's a glowing round thing that 's on her belly, and like she just like uh she she 's unbuttoned uh O'Neal's shirt and she like hugs him real close and sticks her that thing right up to his belly and she really dramatically like so it 's it 's like she <laughs> plays it erotically like they 're having sex, but she 's just like hugging him. And holding him close and she says <laughs> really slowly to build up the tension hey don't worry it's gonna be fine you're gonna love what I'm doing to you which is and like she stops just in time to for him to fall off of her and like she switches to gold voice as she says Hathor's first new Jaffa and we see that he now has a Jaffa pouch in his belly so that thing is like I guess a Jaffa-matic 4000 that she has on her belly at all the time that she can use to hug people and turn them into Jaffa for some reason. But, <laughs> I guess but this
3: only, is, yeah. only if she gives them a deeply sexual hug.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has to be <laughs> real close. It has to be real sexy. Like all like I just I, I just wonder if Teal had that done to him. And like we know that Jaffa have their pouches dug out of them when they're like eight years old. So is that is that what they do? Is that what she does with little boys? Uh it's weird. Um and yeah, yeah we've, we've seen it happen in Bloodlines with a knife, and the knife plus healing device seemed like a reasonable way to do this, except they have this other thing that actually does this all in one thing, but it's a weird hug thing. None of this makes sense. I am so tired about this episode. Um, <laughs> but, but there you go. Uh, if you wonder how Jafai is made, apparently by a weird hug with the belly thing. I don't know. I don't fucking know. Um... So, uh, if we're, we're back to Carter and Fraser, and they are just have their backs to the door and they're just still talking to each other and trying to convince themselves to do this, stu- this stupid horny plan that they came up with. Uh, which, <laughs> this <laughs> which is... plan
3: is something my D&D group would have come up oh, with. Oh, yeah. It's, and it's <laughs> the kind
1: of thing that only works if you roll some 20s, basically. Um.
3: <laughs> the, the basic premise of it is like, all right, so if they're all under pheromones, then they're all uh-huh. extra horny, and we can use uh-huh. that to our advantage. Uh, Cause, yeah, because uh, we're and women, said, yeah. And, and Captain Carter, uh, these men are always horny. I'm just here to tell you. This. It
1: doesn't
3: <laughs> matter if it's pheromones. Yeah works it always works
1: it could be a guy who just (laughs) jerked off three times had like a full pot of coffee and is very currently angry like he he's he's listening to a right-wing podcast uh, in his earbuds right outside your door and now like you knock on the door and say there's five women in there who are very alone and want you to touch their bodies and he would turn (laughs) right around and go oh yeah who and like he, he he would be boner town right away and walk in there and Anyway, probably. Um But yeah, this is what happens. Uh like uh this other lady takes off her jacket to show that he has she has a shirt to show her boobs a little more. Uh <laughs> and then like they have the two guards walk in there and they, they, they make the stupidest face. I love these extras because like they were told one thing, you're horny, and these ladies wanna bang you, make a face, and this guy goes, <laughs> and yeah, that's great. Um, and he calls his buddy over. The first one goes and kisses Fraser right there on the mouth, uh, like while like like holding her body real close, real sexy. Uh, the second guy walks in. Uh, Carter is right next to the door, and she like kind of takes his chin and smiles at him and then just elbows him in the face and knocks him out in- instantly and uh while the other guy is kissing Fraser this other uh lady runs up to him and holds him and i guess Fraser manages to unstrap the gun he has on him and point it at him uh the the way it's cut is very confusing but uh i guess yeah she she just disarmed him uh Fraser and Carter each have one of the guns from the guards um and that's it that was the plan now they can uh put the guards in the cell and walk out uh <laughs> but then okay so the geography of this next scene i don't know where this is this is maybe not uh, directly the exit of their cell because these other two ladies are walking down the corridor and then a guard uh holds a gun at them and says hold it right there and then like the other extra lady uh sneaks up behind him and knocks him out with the butt of her, butt of her rifle and then Hammond pops out behind her and holds his pistol at her, <laughs> and then Carter pops up behind him and knocks him out with the butt of her rifle.
3: I thought I thought it was going to go one more time. I thought oh, they it should. <laughs> the yeah, there
1: there, there, there should have been like Tilkin. Te- no, sorry, Tilka's still in his. <laughs> in his cell they they, they should have done the sideshow bob rake scene with it with with having the first ladies come back up in the back after this let's just keep it going this episode is bad enough just make a really silly scene like that why not uh this is like that meme with uh that's in the church with like people holding guns at each other (laughs) and the sniper up uh, like
3: that's from person of interest
1: yeah there you go person of interest um uh, so yeah uh, Carter says ooh she she feels bad about having knock o- knocked off Hammond and she, she's like oh well there goes that promotion uh, <laughs> and Fraser and says ah don't career. worry yeah yeah there goes my career that's what she says and uh, Fraser says ah don't worry about it I'm a doctor I can fix him up <laughs> and Carter's like has a funny line when she says great so then he can press charges on me uh, pretty funny <laughs> Once again, gotta take uh, the last word we can get him when it's not at the expense of this show. Uh, so they're right in front of Tilk's cell, and uh, I guess the first guy that was there was the guard of that cell, because Carter picks up the keys from him and unlocks, uh, lets, lets Teal loose. Uh, he walks out of there, they have a gun for him, she hands him one, and they go, All right, uh... Plan B, I guess, which is the same as plan A. We go back to the shower room and just point guns at <laughs> Hathor, I guess. Because uh, <laughs> it's literally... They, they do the exact same thing as before. Only this time, the tub is full of wriggling, gross gold babies. And also, it's That's steaming green. Um, it's real gross. And uh, O'Neill is uh, passed out on the ground yeah next to the tub because like he's mid process of being turned into a giraffe at this point um and uh, Carter walks up to him and takes his heartbeat and like oh so so he's not dead but then she's like what is going on this is a tub full of Gould. and then we get a close up on it and it starts to bubble up so they go and hide and then the the worst shot of this episode happens which maybe is... maybe the worst shot of the series so far <laughs> god this yeah, is so bad cuz Okay, Hathor stands up out of the tub, which is, remi- remi- uh, reminder, bubbly and uh, wriggling with infant ghouls, and she stands up from it, but it's like it's footage of her kneeling down and going in there, played backwards, because she stands up completely dry, and it looks horrid. It looks really bad. It's really obvious that it's backwards, because her hair is completely dry, and the wig seems to float on top of the water as she's climbing out of it. It's just bad. Why would they do this? It's it's so it's so bad. Uh
3: yeah, I well, guess see, like they, yeah. they couldn't get the wig wet. They had only the one wig. Yeah. uh uh-huh. So budget- this
1: is- so this must have been like the last thing they shot with this costume was her getting in the water because that was like the end of it. So they could get it wet, I guess. Um, yeah, because they, they didn't want to like her to be wet in the next scene, I guess, because because for like a bunch of reasons, like continuity and it would be distracting. And they wanted her to be like weird and otherworldly so that she would be like walk out of that tub and be completely dry. But then they do that by playing this footage backwards and it just looks horrible. <laughs> this is, I, I... this is. Sorry,
3: it it would have thematically worked if she was dripping wet for the rest of the episode. She, her uh-huh. whole thing is being hypersexual. Like if she was wet, right, that would be okay. <laughs> right,
1: you would think that. Like, but I think one of the problems is that the people who made this episode wanted it to be sexy, but don't understand fundamentally what is sexy, because uh, like all the emphasis is on the wrong things for it to actually be sexy. Anyway. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, now she, so she's walked out of there and she goes, all right, big boy, peace. Well, she doesn't say that, but she says, you will receive your gold now. She just like pulls O'Neill up and like he's clearly not all that passed out because he stands up because she doesn't actually have to like lug Richard Dean Anderson's entire ass body into (laughs) that tub right next to her Uh, but he goes in there uh, and she like unties his shirt again even though it was opened before from the previous scene so why bother doing that again um uh yeah so uh, Hathor says the strongest of the larvae will will find your belly and go in there so I guess that's how a first prime is made is you start with the whole litter and you you, you want the strongest one to go in there uh, for some reason so he's just sitting there in that ghouls too waiting for to be taken and she walks off uh, leaving him unguarded completely I guess she hasn't heard that uh, that the ladies have broken out so she doesn't think she has anything to worry about still. Um she just walks out and like the ladies in Teal pop out from behind the little shower wall and go, Whoops, let's go there and get him out of there. And to just do that, uh they pull him out of the tub and then they check. They they lay they lay him down on the bench, and Fraser goes, Alright, uh this is gonna be gross, but here we go. She just sticks her hand right into his belly pouch and feels around in there and goes, Nope, no gould. Uh he's still <laughs> He's still like okay no wait they say it's a good thing that no gould went in there but in the next scene tilk is gonna say he doesn't have an immune system anymore so like <laughs> having the pouch is already the point of no return where no immune system exists anymore so if he had a gould in there it would be a good thing because that would mean he doesn't die but they have like they have the sarcophagus anyway which they're, they're gonna use to undo this in a minute so it's no, it's not even the next scene. Then the next line is Tilk says he doesn't have an immune system. <laughs> and he says, Without the gold larva, he will die. And Nida <laughs> reminds you, like two meters away from them is a hot tub full of gold. <laughs> they could just like if the if they wanted like if they haven't come up with the sarcophagus plan yet, i guess they could just go in there and get one at this point to save his life or something. But uh, I guess that's not part of the plan. Which also, the next thing is it would presumably make him snap out of the mind control, because we know that the Jaffa are immune to the mind control things. You, so. are,
3: you are applying far more logic than the writers did.
1: You are oh, yeah, they. They they didn't think about this at all, but like Hathor's plan involved basically mind controlling a guy and then having him un mind controlled right away by having him become a Jafar. And what does he do then? Do you think he's gonna follow you around? Or anyway. Um doesn't matter anyway, because the next thing <laughs> they do is go, hey, let's go to the gate room and stick O'Neill in the sarcophagus, which it's not clear if they know that's gonna work at this point because like you'd think if Tilkad knew of a possible Jaffa cure he would have mentioned before this point. Uh
2: well not- I wonder if it won't it won't work on the Jaffa, because they have already integrated
1: yeah, with maybe. the M- With the yeah maybe the sarcophagus considers that once the gold is in there, that's not part of the healing anymore. you, you just it's part of you and you, they don't they're not gonna fix it. I don't know. Uh, maybe like yeah, you could contrive a reason why Tilk can't just jump into the next one of those they see and not be a G- uh, Jaffa anymore um, which is something they never even consider or try or mention doing after this episode. Uh but yeah, they stick O'Neill in there and Tilk says, I've seen this thing do many miracles. Um <laughs> and okay. So they, <laughs> they close it on top of him. And okay, I just want to say the sarcophagus doesn't look very deep, and like the the, the, the way the doors snapped closed looks look just about that like they're about to pinch Richard Dean Anderson's nose right there. It looks really close anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um But yeah, uh so the, the thing closes and then uh, the door to the gate room opens, and uh, some soldiers uh, walk through it and immediately start shooting their guns at the three people there. And they actually seemingly hit Fraser in the shoulder or something, and Teal gets one in the arm and one in the leg. Um, so uh, real bad stuff. Uh, but thankfully, they they all you know, they only catch bullets in the designated TV uh, grazing flesh wound areas and not the important chest or head pit bits of themselves um so yeah hathor walks in and uh she sees she sees the sarcophagus open and she says she she tells the people immediately to stop shooting because they're gonna shoot the new jaffa so uh it opens and o'neill sits up out of it uh and uh do we see his belly right now no we don't even see it so like technically hathor she must have already known that this would undo the Jaffa thing because she, like, she just said, don't shoot because you'll kill him. But then as soon as she sees him, she uses her hand device to try to kill him. (laughs) And then the hand device thing fries the sarcophagus completely and it starts sparkling and there's, like, lightning bolts on it and stuff. and And, like, the humans are taking cover behind it and they go, wait, no, it's bad that it's doing this. We should probably not be right next to it. Um... So yeah, and Hathor and the other two dudes at the entrance of the to the room um have walked out of there now, so they just walk out uh, the opposite door, and the sarcophagus straight up blows up right behind them as the as the blast door closes, and uh they have a dramatic dive out of the explosion uh which yeah, uh we keep mentioning how they at the end of each episode they end up with nothing tech tech wise this is one case. Where they don't even have, they don't even meet a friend in this episode to justify it. Like, n- not like it was. Yeah, I, go ahead. I
3: legitimately thought, like, okay, so at least they're gonna get something. They got a whole hot tub <laughs> full of crawdads, and they got that, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> they got the rejuvenation tank, and then that goes up, and then they've killed yep. every single one of the ghoul spawn things. Uh-huh. And at that point, yep. this this season. It's starting to feel a lot like a cock tease. I'm just going to say it. Yep, yep, yep. It's making it's me like
1: a, it's a, it's a angry. Lot. It's a lot of going <laughs> up the down this escalator. Um... <laughs> But, yeah, uh, the, the excuse I cooked up about meeting friends doesn't even work for this episode. Uh, they, they get nothing. They get, they get less than nothing in this episode, because, like, Hathor is set free and uh, off to Rome and rampage in the universe after this is done. So this is a, a, absolutely a net negative, this one. Um, now, I
3: do have a question. Yeah. If, if someone was going through the series, could they skip mm-hmm. this episode entirely?
1: So, I think so. Maybe, but only because clips from this episode are going to show up in a clip show when it becomes relevant again. <laughs> but you you could you could put it together. I mean, it's technically an arc episode because Hathor is a recurring character, but it's bad enough that like I would feel bad missing it and By the time a ghoul queen becomes relevant to the plot, they're going to explain ghoul queens again, and it's going to be different anyway, because they're going to realize at one point that the life cycle less established in this episode has a bunch of, like, logic holes in it that don't work, and they're going to come up with some more details anyway so it's like you're not missing much i i wouldn't blame anyone for skipping this one because it's terrible anyway and everything is status quo by the end of it and the only thing you need to know is hathor was there and she ran off and she's loose now uh that's it that's one sentence uh that's that's all that changes from this episode plot wise um so, yeah, uh, after, after the sarcophagus has blown up, uh, Carter wants to check O'Neill's belly, because she hasn't had time to do that, and we see that he's completely healed! He's cured from being a Jaffa, so it lasted about, I don't know, I'm trying to find the timestamp of, okay, 30 minutes is when he does it, and we're at 38 minutes, so for 8 minutes, uh, yeah. O'Neill was a Jaffa, and uh, now he's not anymore, he's... Reset button, baby. Everything's back to normal. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, now, 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 O'Neill is co- also completely free from the the, the mind control. Uh, oh yeah, there's, a, there's 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 also a funny joke where uh, Carter sees his belly and says, "That's a miracle," and he just looks at her and says, "Crunches," which is funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, yeah so now that that O'Neill is uh, up and running and no longer mind controlled he takes charge which is you know if you're trying to make a girl power episode where Carter saves the day it's nice that the first thing they do is find her boss and have him tell her what to do for the rest of it it's really nice Uh, so what he says is we have a secret second stash of tranquilizer guns that you don't know about we're just gonna go get some of those so that we can shoot the soldiers without killing them and yay! If uh, that's that's convenient, like Carter, Carter didn't know hmm. about this for some reason, but he does. Um, Neither did the doctor. So the
3: doctor didn't. Yeah,
1: talk. no. This is this is the specific men only uh, tranquilizer dart storage area. That like there's the, the, there must be a like men's bathroom sign on that door, only for dudes. Uh, they, um, they keep
3: them in the man cave. No girls allowed.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Next to the pool table and the the, the beer draft uh, taps. Yeah, that's, that's uh, why they have
3: Spike TV on at all time.
1: <laughs> yep, yep. The Spike TV exist in 1997. No, anyway, it would have been that's uh, where the, the Man Show. Not yeah. Okay, there you go.
2: Yeah, it would have been Comedy Central. Yeah, that's E E maybe would have been on. No, yeah only specific parts of E would
1: have been on that's where they had yeah. the PlayStation on the big home theater TV and not the Nintendo 64 because that one's for babies and they're grown men and they only play grown up games like Gran Turismo and Final Fantasy VII. Um, so yeah Hathor is back in her tub uh, guarded by extras around her and Daniel is kneeling next to the tub and like talking to her like worm tongue uh, except I guess reversed cuz he's the one being mani- being manipulated and he's like trying to appeal to her and say you know Carter doesn't know what she's doing she's uh, like you should be merciful towards her blah 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 she just doesn't understand the 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 majesty of your radiance or whatever <laughs> um <laughs> and Hathor is like yeah she can she can say she's sorry by dying and I will, I will be pleased when she dies and whatever uh and, like, O'Neill and Carter have taken cover at this point. Uh, they, they take that cue to just spring up and start darting the four guards that are around there, which they do pretty fast. Um, they take a pause instead of shooting a dart straight, straight at Hathor, uh, so that Hathor has time to just use her hand device to blast Carter away to the door and knock her out. Um, and she starts doing the same thing towards O'Neill. But then Carter gets back up from where she was, uh, quote-unquote, knocked out. Uh, and just, like, starts shooting her with her pistol. And then Hathor falls into the tub and it catches on fire. Of course. Yep. <laughs> That's f- <laughs> Why? 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 does the tub catch on fire?
2: It's full of <laughs> it's full of alcohol, actually. It's not. Uh... It's it's
1: a highly volatile hot tub of water, and the 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 the, the gold are made of pure uh, hydrogen. Uh, they're like they're like the Hindenburg. They just blow up at the slightest spark. <laughs> I guess, even though they're once again in a tub full of water. Um... <laughs> But yeah, they catch on fire, and like it's it even like we see that there's three little ghouls that are have fallen off the tub and are on the floor, but somehow the fire falls out of the tub and onto these ghouls to make damn sure that they also get burned to a crisp, and I don't I don't understand why what what is going on here. Why is there fire? Why why is there fire? And why is Hathor not dead right now? These are the two questions that I have. Um, you know, it's uh, like okay. Ne- ne- so Daniel also has a big no moment as he's staring at her, and like while he's staring at her directly, and we see like Carter and O'Neill help. Uh, the guard that that they just knocked out get away from the smoke and the fire uh, We see that she climbs out of the tub. That's on fire uh, Like she seems like there's a distortion into it So I guess she has like a personal shield or something like the one Apophis had and we clearly see her walk out of the room in the Background while, while Daniel is staring at the fire and everyone else is just not looking cuz cuz like Hathor walks like two steps from Carter and no one says anything Cause that, that's, that's the entirety of the rest of Hathor's escape plan is she just walks off and she's gonna go through the Stargate and that's it. And for some reason, no one has seen her, even though she's very visible. And why is there a fire? Why is the, why did the tub catch on goddamn fire? <laughs> Someone tell me if you, if you made Stargate, email us at JaffaTakesPodcast at com and tell me why there was a fire in the, in the tub. I don't understand. Um. So, yeah, they, they run to the Stargate. Uh, They, they run to the control room because I guess Walter's, uh, pre-recorded voice on the, on the PA saying unauthorized Stargate activation. Because first of all, he's not standing there. And second of all, he's not there. Yeah. (laughs) Second of all, he's not in this episode at all. And third of all, as a man, he would be under Hathor's control right now anyway. So he, he wouldn't say that. Um, but yeah, we don't we don't know exactly who or how uh they dialed the planet for Hathor to walk th- out the Stargate to. Uh and also she took the time to get a headdress that we haven't seen on her so far, uh and put it on before walking through the Stargate. Um and they and they they do say that she went to Chulak, which seems like a weird place to go to considering she's an enemy of Apophis. Um because also we know that the True Like Stargate is guarded, so whoa, whoa, presumably whoa. they would take her prisoner right away. And also they're Jaffa, so they can't be mind controlled. But
3: as this episode has <laughs> established, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, uh, which always works. It's uh-huh. impossible for you to yeah. have two enemies who hate you.
1: Yeah, she, she, she's gonna say, you know, I hate Raw. You Apophis hates Raw. Uh, we can be friends, right? But like it's uh-huh. like True Like seems like. The last place she would want to go to, really, because she wants to get humans, not not Trafal, which she can't control. Uh, this episode, it's breaking me. It's, it's, it's so bad. It doesn't make any sense. Okay, um, <laughs> Carter it's says it's a lot of contrivances. Oh, it's it, it never stops. Uh, Carter says she went to Chulak. We have to go after her. And oil says, "Yeah, we will, but not right now." Th- why? <laughs> What's, why not right now what? I mean there's a, there's a bunch of Jaffa on the there, other side there, of that thing there's a bunch thing. of Jaffa there but like we will go after her on Chulak eventually implies you need to go pretty fast because she's not going to stay there very long and nope and someday we'll go to Chulak and get Hathor back even though there's no reason that she's going to stay there um, <sighs> I'm so tired um, so yeah, this is when Daniel snaps out of it. He walks up and says, I must have blacked out, which, uh, they, they, yeah, they establish that whatever this pink powder, pheromone, mind control thing is, uh, she, Hathor needs to be, uh, physically present nearby for it to work because everyone else on the base who was under her control has, like, snapped out of it all at once now. Yay! So we're back in the shower room and Fraser and Carter are taking samples of, like, uh burned to a crisp gold goop that's like <laughs> dripping down the side of the tub. <laughs> and they say, huh, we're hoping there's some DNA in there, but th- not not much we can use there if it burned, uh like fire has a tendency to destroy DNA. And Dino says, and if you find some DNA, don't be basically don't be surprised if you find a bunch of mine in there. <laughs> they, 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 un- they, they all kind of stare at him like, uh gross. Okay. Uh <laughs> Um, and then, like, uh, okay, Hammond walks in, and Carter thinks, uh, he's about to yell at her for knocking him out with, with that rifle earlier on, cause he has a bandage on, on his neck. And Hammond, of course, like, as if you would even for a second believe that he would be mad at her, says, uh, actually, you both get a medal cause, uh, you saved us, and we were all dumb shits even before we were mind controlled, <laughs> actually. So thank you for saving Earth, y'all. Um, <laughs> that's it that's the end of the episode i guess yay carter gets a medal she finally gets that recognition like she's breaking that glass ceiling everyone the the, the misogyny solved no more sexism at least it was the first season yeah (laughs) it's it's over hathor is over it is, is there's light there's still goodness in this world um yeah, uh, next episode is Singularity. Uh, yeah, Kavika, it's it's Singularity, the next one. It's it's flipped in the, on the DVDs. Uh, but yeah, uh, this is, like, next episode is, once again, a Carter-centric episode, but it's much better. Uh, you'll see when we get there. Singularity. No, it's, just, it's just flipped a little bit. Yeah, I think like Singularity and Korai are flipped on the DVDs. I started paying attention to it also because I have the Blu-rays, and uh, then, like, Tin Man and uh, Solitudes is also flipped. Weird. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm tired, but it's over. Uh, yeah, it's, Hathor, it's as I over. said, uh, she, she escaped. She's gonna be back uh, when you least expect it. The, the, the moment where she does come back is actually a nice twist. So, uh, of, of Hathor's three appearances on Stargate SG-1. This is the worst one of those three episodes by uh, Country Mile, so you can take some comfort in that. Uh, She's not even, like, as far as I know, she's not even gonna pull the mind control stuff next time we see her anyway, so we're safe, everyone. It's over. Um... Uh, Jaffa Takes is the Twitter where you can check out uh, (laughs) wait, I I lost the thread, I'll find it again Uh, where you can check out on uh, Saturday or Sunday where I put up a tweet that says ask us questions about blank 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 and you can go on there and ask us questions about whatever I said and then we'll read them on this podcast and answer them Uh, and we have a couple this week Uh, the first one from a friend of the podcast Chinchi McChilla aka Zach from other episodes earlier ...asks, uh, Poison Ivy is a sexy villain... ...named after one of the least sexy things that can happen to you... ...which is Poison Ivy Rash. This is extra weird because because most Batman villains... ...have very accurate names what are some other villains whose whole theme slash name is misleading? And I kind of feel like Zach is feeding me the answer here because I'm also on Teenagers with Attitude, uh, the Power Rangers podcast that he hosts, and we just got through an arc where a villain is named Treacheron, and Treacheron's main, <laughs> <laughs> his, his main... His main character trait is Undying Loyalty. No! Think- <laughs> the The... the, the yeah the the main thing about him is that he doesn't betray anyone and he's put in jail uh because of his uh, loyalty that's fantastic
2: you know what i mean i gotta i gotta disagree on the poison ivy thing though uh-huh. because like it's a villainous it's a villainous name yeah like she's not sexy because she wants to have sex no yeah with people huh she's
1: she's she's sexy. To ensnare them, right? Because like, I, I, I feel like in the poison ivy mythos, the fact that she's the dangerous plant lady definitely came before the she's a sexy seductress angle. I, I mean, it can't have been buried very, very far behind because she's female and she's a comic book villain from the Silver Age, I think. So uh, it's not, it's you know. But yeah, you, you're right that well, I mean. The, the point still stands that if you think about it for a second, you go, yeah, that's a plant that itches when you touch it. But, I mean, if you touch Poison Ivy, you get, like, you die from kissing her and stuff. Uh, so, I guess, I guess the theming Sometimes. works there, too. Um, uh, but, like, yeah, correct. Poison Ivy is not a sexy plant, if that's what you're thinking of. I uh, mean, like,
3: the, the rest... Beninville, I don't know if, Sorry. pretty... Like, the names are pretty honest about what you're getting. Like Mister Freeze, he's gonna freeze you.
1: Right. <laughs> he's, gonna, yeah. he's he freezes you. <laughs> That's the right. The Scarecrow, he's gonna scare you. I mean, there's there's not much. Yeah, the, the, you don't see many crows, in, like the Scarecrow tends to like appropriate crows as a motif. And you might think that as the Scarecrow, he would be far away from using crows to represent himself. But uh, whatever. Uh, like kind of like Daredevil. I, I I always thought it was kind of weird that Daredevil. Like the name implies that he's opposed to the devil, and the fact that he's a hardcore Catholic like fits in with that. But he visually takes the appearance of a devil, so it's, it's there's mean, kind of a like contradiction there, I guess. That it's always kind of bothered joke me. There's
3: online that if you described the the personalities and the abilities of Daredevil and <laughs> Batman, and then asked someone to identify which yeah. is Daredevil and Batman, they would they would not be able to. Like one character <laughs> uses echolocation. Yeah,
1: you're right because. Uh, yeah you're correct about that um i don't know if i can think of any other examples of someone whose name is opposite of what uh what a description of them would be uh it's, it's a very specific ask which like i said uh feels like it was uh tailor made to for to get me to talk about power rangers uh, <laughs> <laughs> um aurora borealis asks us how much money would I have to throw at the History Channel to make a fake Ancient Aliens episode about the Stargate and various gold activities on Earth? Uh, you would have to throw a hell of a lot of money at them because it, they would have to license the Stargate rights from Amazon to do this. But who does the History Channel belong to? I have to look this up now. History Channel. It's just called History now? No, wait. I don't want... Yes, All right, I History, think so. Uh, owner A&E Networks yeah which is uh owned by half by Walt Disney and half by Hearst Communications. Okay, so there's no corporate ownership that that it, uh, lines up to Amazon there. It, so yes. It
3: would be cheaper <laughs> for you to just film something in the style of the History Channel. Uh yeah, yeah. that would be the more Yeah. About Stargate. Uh I guess
2: you could you could take you could take your camera phone. Mhm. And walk through a museum uh-huh. <laughs> and just, you know, slowly pan and, uh, uh, y- with, some, with some filters. Yep. Yeah, and and then just splice
1: that in, narrate over it. Yeah, there you go. Like, film some mummies and sarcophaguses and, like, that, that Egyptian board game with the sticks and, like, just put a voiceover over it that says ancient Egyptian stuff or gold stuff. Like, who knows? We don't know, but we know it's not aliens, but it might be aliens. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. All those memes. Um, next question, and last question. What's the funniest way to snap out of mind control? Uh, I mean, like, the the the, the, whole, the old Looney Tunes standards uh, apply here, I guess. Uh, getting an anvil in your head is pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can think of a, a different one. I. God. What? Do I even... There, there's a, there's another mind control thing later in Stargate that uses a gas and like a prick. I forget what it's about. There's there's something about you need to prick someone on the neck with a needle that puts mind control stuff in them, and then there's some kind of gas that snaps them out of it. It's like they tried to make it to make a mind control thing that was less ridiculous than the one in this episode. It's not really funny. It's just another thing I'm, I'm thinking of. It's it's like. I don't know. Like, f- if you like to snap out of mind control, you usually have like two routes you can so, go. There's, like The realistic one, which is like called deprogramming, which is like basically uh, sy- sh- shock psychotherapy. And the other one is the fantasy uh, slash fiction way, which is get hit on the head and you snap out of it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, there's a um, different way.
3: I don't
1: know. Uh, the, yeah. the appeal to friendship, in which you just
3: talk to the person and oh, yeah. they snap out of it.
1: Yeah, remember we're friends? And this happens like maybe half the time, I feel, in fiction. There's like a 50-50 odds of that working out. But usually you, you try that when you're desperate and you're like, the person is about, he's holding a gun on you and about to shoot you.
3: Uh, in terms um, of my favorite, uh, it would be playing a song <laughs> uh, that someone has a, a connection to. That is yes, usually my favorite. Yes,
1: yes. Uh, yeah, Stranger Things Season 4 uh, is all about that one. <laughs> it's not—it's like, not quite mind control. It's more like snapping them out of a trance, but still, um, yeah. Which I guess is kind of a form of mind control in a weird way. Um, all right. Uh, so, like I said, if you want to send us questions, check out our Twitter at JeffAtakes. To uh, ask us questions on there to get them read on the podcast. You can also send an email to JaffaTakesPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I always check that, but uh, yeah, I, I don't get much on there. But if you want to be the first one, go ahead, go right ahead. It can be you. Uh, you can also uh, join the uh, Audio Entropy Discord uh, server, which has a Jaffa Takes channel on it. Go on there and chat with us and have fun Stargate conversations where we also sometimes uh, argue about the relative quality of different Star Trek series. It's always a fun time uh, you can also check out my personal Twitter account at the real Simben where I post about sometimes Stargate but a lot of times other stuff I uh, you know like I have a strong running theme for that Twitter anyway it's mostly just stream of consciousness and being too online um, Kavika. Uh, Anything you want to say? That's about anything except Hathor to get us out of this. Uh, No.
2: (laughs) Really put you on the spot there. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no. Uh, Shit. I don't know. Star Trek's coming back, I think. Yeah. uh, Lower Decks is... Starting its yeah, uh, lower decks is coming back next uh, week. Watch that yeah. uh, if you if you like Star Trek, yeah. you'll you'll probably like it, and if you've never watched Star Trek, mm-hmm. you might
1: still like it. Yeah, L- uh, yeah, lower decks is. It. <laughs> like I, I thought I thought like my, my opinion of Lower Decks was that it starts off kind of rough, but it finds its footing at some point in the second half of the first season and then it's great. Uh like I, I've seen a lot of people say lately that they actually liked it from the start, which is hey, good for them. Uh, I
2: liked it. I liked it from the start. Yeah, they, I I, I think that it if you for me someone that really loves star trek mm-hmm. like to the like I, I grew up with the technical manuals mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. i i had them i read them yeah uh uh i know that uh, uh warp factor is a, is on a logarithmic scale yes 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 uh like it it's made by people that love Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. It's uh, made like the, the uh, but can also laugh at laugh at how ridiculous it can be sometimes.
1: Yeah the 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 showrunner of Star Trek Lower Decks is the guy that ran the Twitter that was something like TNG season eight, which just posted pictures of fake future <laughs> TNG episodes that didn't actually happen. And he got the job to run the the Star Trek comedy from that Twitter account. And he's pretty That's cool. So funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, Lower Decks is the kind of show that is at its best if you're deep into Star Trek and you understand all the references because they do have some pretty deep cuts in there. Like, the, there's a the joke where they prank call the skin of evil from the episode Skin of Evil. <laughs> yeah. And it is so funny if you understand the reference. It's, it's, it's a little family guy, I guess, but it's, it's, it was right up my alley. It was one of the funniest things I've seen on TV uh, besides the rehearsal lately. Yeah. Uh, also, the rehearsal is one of the saddest things I've seen on TV now. Because uh, that season is over and it goes places, if you haven't seen it. Um, second
3: season <clears throat> confirmed, though.
1: Yeah, I saw that. They, they confirmed <laughs> the second season, like, the day of the season one finale, which is good. Uh, God God help us all, though. That Nathan Fielder, he, he he's going to ruin lives at some point, if, if he hasn't already. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> poor remy i hope remy grows up right god damn it um jimmy dean any other things you want to talk about or other tv shows uh
3: i mean not not too much i i finally watched all of the watchman miniseries on hbo i mm-hmm. sat on that for a couple of years uh yeah uh, good stuff that was a good yeah. mini series.
1: it's good um, I, I feel like the end is a little too easy in that show because it's it, like the they're the, the they didn't want to keep it going for a second season, so they wanted to really conclude the story in that one. And I feel like the conclusion they they chose is a little too neat and cutesy for, for the kind of story Watchmen is. But besides that, that's one of my few reservations. I think that show is great. Um,
3: uh, yeah, my my the only nitpick I would really level at it is uh, like their choice of how aging is portrayed. I guess. Yeah, like, yes. In 1985, Jeffrey Irons looks the exact same as he does in 2019. Right. It's,
1: it's, it is weird, <laughs> it's for sure. You, you, you almost wish, like, because they didn't want to be associated with the movie, and I understand that, but they, they, they should have just cast the guy from the movie to play the flashback scenes of Ozymandias. It would have been, you know, it would have <laughs> been cute, but it would have been more consistent, yeah. But um, there,
3: there's a character who's supposed to be 105, who's portrayed mm-hmm. by an 80-year-old, and uh, yeah. I can tell you, there's a a sharp difference between an 80 year old and a 105
1: year old. <laughs> oh yeah, visually. yeah, yeah. Speaking of that, Sandman has has some of that too. But in that and that shows defense, it's like uh, occult-assisted uh, people. Like there's there's characters on Sandman that are over 100 years old and they're played by actors in their 50s and 60s. Uh, <laughs> but like in that case, it's uh, it's because there's some dark magic stuff uh keeping them alive longer than they should be um Uh, yeah yeah, uh,
3: that's it on my end
1: okay thank you uh yeah and uh Yeah, like, yeah, watch, watch all these other TV shows and forget about Hathor, uh, and join us next week for Singularity, a better episode. Uh, also the, the season one mid-season finale is Singularity because, uh, there's a break after that one. We're not going to take a break, uh, at that point, uh, on our podcast, but, uh, anyway, we'll, we'll get to that next week. Uh, and that's it for this one. Uncree.